Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. It's been a nearly perfect day of worship on the plaza, but during the sermon, we had significant audio difficulties as we competed with a local radio station frequency. So just for the sermon, I'm going to be re-preaching it here in the sanctuary, then we'll return to our worship in the plaza. Our scripture today is 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 13 through 17 as we look together today at what it means to be a Christian in America, how to honor uh, our laws and our government, and also our Christian commitments. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme, or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God honor the emperor. As a child, every schoolhouse morning, elementary school and high school, uh, it had some version of a familiar routine, a familiar litany. The box on the wall over the chalkboard would crackle and then screech, and then a child or adolescent voice would come on for the morning announcements. Congratulations to our girls' basketball team who beat Lakeside. Uh, Today's menu is uh, pizza and fish sticks. Then this child or adolescent voice would ask us all to stand from our desk as we prepared to pledge allegiance to the flag. And we would stand and we would pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. Well, I, I haven't had fish sticks in a long time, but uh, I continue to pledge the flag. Every Monday at Atlanta Rotary, uh, the same call is made, and from our elementary school memories, we stand, uh, 200 of us or so in suits, and put our hand over our hearts and say that pledge again to the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands. I'm living as a patriot, in a, a, living a blessed life, a free life, in a country that aspires at least, at least aspires to liberty and justice for all. I, I don't know how many times uh, I've said the pledge, uh, Uh, but thousands, uh, certainly more than I've sung any particular hymn or uh, more times than I've said John 3.16 out loud. 
But those of us who pledge our allegiance have a strained relationship with pledging allegiance to anything but God. If we don't have a strained relationship, perhaps we should. The Christian has already pledged allegiance. We're citizens of a kingdom that's wider than from sea to shining sea. We're members of the body of Christ. Christians without clan or border, flag. We are part of the family of God. And it was none other than Christian hero Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, those who are baptized no longer belong to the world, no longer serve the world, and are no longer subject to it. They belong to Christ alone and relate to the world only through Christ. Well, how are we supposed to navigate this? Uh, when every Christian uh, carries two passports, we, we, we are first citizens of the kingdom of God, pledging our allegiance to God alone. And then we stand and pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. How, how do we... How do we make sense of that? Well, I hope it helps to know that we're not the first uh, ones to have to struggle with that tension. This tension is the backdrop of our story for today. The emperor, Domitian, was not, by a long shot, was not a nice man. But before Domitian, the emperor was Nero, and Nero set the lowest of all standards as a ruler. He was truly despicable. For instance, since Nero didn't like the Christians, just didn't care for that sect at all, when Rome burned in 64 AD, Nero blamed it on the Christian uh, community, which it was not their fault, of course, but Nero found itself serving to further uh, ostracize them by convincing everyone that they were the ones who set fire to the city. He condemned Christians to death on the grounds of hatred toward the human race. So Christians were already vilified and despised when Domitian took the throne. And the truth is, he wasn't a whole lot better. Uh, During his uh, narcissistic 15-year reign, he continued to be so anti-Christian that the community of believers were always living in constant fear. So, as you can imagine, in the first century, there is this legitimate tension. They're they're already being looked at side-eyed because some in the community thought they started the fire of 64. The government leaders despised their little band of believers, hunted them down, tortured them if they were found out. So, so what are you to do? I mean, I mean, should they live off in a little commune away from everybody else and just live their own little life over here? Or, or should they fortify their protest and charge the castle, challenge the government? So that's the issue when the author of 1 Peter writes this surprising advice to the persecuted Christians. 
accept the authority of every human institution, whether the emperor as supreme or governor sent by him to punish those who do wrong, it's God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. You'll, you'll silence those people who are out there talking about you if you just do the right thing. Pay your taxes, volunteer for the PTA, keep your yard neat, take casseroles when new neighbors move in. You keep doing right and it'll silence the critics, he says. So honor the government, but fear God alone. God alone deserves your trembling respect. Well, in some ways, the tensions are worse today. I mean, obviously, we're not being hunted down and persecuted. But largely, the Christian voice is getting further and further and further out of the civic uh, dialogue. But one of the things that's making our Christian American life so difficult is that we're now fighting among each other, other Christians We are living in such a partisan America that nearly every landing place for being a faithful citizen and a faithful Christian is being criticized by somebody else in the Christian church. For instance, I know of some patriotic flag-saluting Christians who are criticized for being naive to the offenses of our nation, as though saluting the flag is an endorsement of every civic abuse. No kidding. I've heard some people get roundly criticized for putting out their flag and cranking up the, the Lee Greenwood CD, proclaiming their love for Uncle Sam, as, as though... Proud to be an American means I'm proud of everything the government's ever done or stood for. Well, if you're proud of everything the government's ever done or stood for, you're not patriotic, you're schizophrenic. But on the other hand, I know some faithful citizens and faithful Christians who've been vilified because their love of country has led them to be critical of the nation's sins. They've criticized government policy, direction, laws, agendas, and have been called unpatriotic or even un-American because they don't agree that everything wrapped in red, white, and blue is worthy of being praised. (laughs) By the way, if, if critique is not a form of love, then Uh, most marriages are in a whole lot of trouble. So so you see, this is the the tension still today. How to be an American Christian, how to be a Christian American, it's complicated for sure. Well, let me complicate things even more as though it weren't tough enough already. The author of 1 Peter has declared that we should accept the authority of every human institution. But some of our civic 
and Christian heroes did just that. They refused, rather, they refused to accept the authority of the civic institution. The the human institution told Rosa Parks that she was to sit at the back of the bus. It was her defiance of that authority that turned her into a hero. Susan B. Anthony was arrested for voting in her hometown of Rochester, New York. The human institution said that women cannot vote. It was her defiance of authority that made her a hero. Last weekend, uh, Melissa and I went with another couple to tour the Harriet Tubman Museum in Chesapeake Bay, Maryland. the, The museum itself is just a mile or so from where Harriet Tubman was born into slavery. The the tour was inspiring. She she not only escaped slavery herself, made her own freedom, but then returned, I think, 19 times back to the South to help other people, 50 or so other shackled people, escape to their safety and freedom through the Underground Railroad at extreme personal danger. What she did was against the law. She did not accept the authority of every human institution. But in each of these cases, there was a higher value, a human value, a Christian value that for them stood taller. They they didn't defy the law to steal a skateboard or throw a brick through a window or burn a Wendy's. They were instead moving toward something higher that the gospel has called them to. But still, it's hard, it's hard to know. It's hard to know when dissension is honorable. It's, as I said, patriotism is complicated for the Christian who has pledged a higher allegiance before he or she stands to salute the flag. I read an article during the pandemic uh, that was about the post-pandemic church or something, and I ran into this line that was not at all a part of the thesis of the article, but it jumped out at me. Jade Campo said in his article, it used to be that the church influenced our politics, but politics now influence our churches to a greater degree. That's kind of become the thesis statement for this, for this sermon. I mean, what would, happen, what would happen if it got turned around? What, what would it look like if instead of bringing the Democrat or Republican talking points into church, what if our politics were informed by our faith? What, what if we first saluted the Christian flag? Let me give you an example. Um, first of all, I'm not asking you to concur with the outcomes of his thinking. You might not agree with him at all. But I hope you will value his process. 
a Baptist layman from First Baptist Church, Athens, Georgia, named Chris Conley, wrote an article about a month ago for Baptist News Global titled, When Being Pro-Life Really Isn't, How I Became a Democrat Who Opposes Abortion. According to Conley, he's consistently pro-life. He, he is a Democrat who, and I'm quoting, opposes traditional Republican stances on war, poverty, health care, gun control, and the death penalty, end quote, because his faith has informed values about human life. But then he aligns with the Republican Party on abortion because his faith has informed his values for human life. As I said, agree or disagree with his politics or his outcomes. But he got the order right. He was asking first, what is my understanding of what God's kingdom looks like? What what does my faith say about X, Y, or Z? Does this align with what I know about the risen Christ? I have first pledged allegiance to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Does this policy match what I believe about God? What if our faith influenced our politics more than our politics influenced our faith? Now, I do think it is possible to pledge allegiance to God in a way that is unwavering and make and honor other pledges as well. I, I made pledges to Melissa when I took the wedding vows. Uh, I've made a pledge to this church uh, in the form of financial pledge to support the budget. As I said, I regularly stand and pledge allegiance to the United States. I'm wearing my red, white, and blue today. But I will never pledge allegiance to Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi. My Christian commitment must stand taller than any other oath, allowing critique and even resistance to the authority of the human institution. If indeed higher Christian values are in play. Well, I hope, at least I hope I have made the case Uh, for how complicated it is to live faithfully as an American Christian, right? I mean, it, it involves allegiance and resistance, oaths and higher oaths. And as our scripture goes on to say, it involves discernment. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil, Honor everyone. Well, given how complex this Christian and civic engagement is, 
given how complicated it is for us to fear God and honor the emperor, as our scripture says, maybe we should give each other just a little bit more grace. Every one of us who disagrees uh, politically, we all see through a glass dimly. We're all navigating these political waters through lived experience and messaging. We see things differently. But could we give each other more space and more grace? And could our church model for others, please, (laughs) that we have no party allegiances that hold a candle to our commitment to Christ and to one another. What if, what if Second Ponstelian Baptist Church became known in the city as that place that is truly welcoming to all and it is not a mouthpiece for any political party? And what if What if our faith did influence our politics more than our politics influenced our faith? We might stand each morning, even before we pledge allegiance to the flag, we might stand first and put our hand over our heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the God who raised Jesus from the dead and to the kingdom for which he stands. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.